Welcome to GovCast. I am your host, Managing Editor Amy Kluber, and joining me as my co-host is Connor Collins, staff writer and researcher at Government CIO Media and Research. With us is Dr. Neil Evans, Chief Officer of the Office of Connected Care at the Veterans Health Administration. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Amy. Hi, Connor. Thanks. Great to be here. So we enjoyed your keynote at the Health IT Summit, and I thank you so much for joining us today. We have a ton of questions from that and then some, so thank you. Your first degree was in chemical engineering. How did you get from that to the medical field and now IT? That's a great question. Uh, I did have an undergraduate degree in chemical engineering, and I mean, the short story is I was subletting an apartment in Baltimore to do a chemical engineering internship between my junior and senior year of college, and the folks who lived in that apartment were pre-meds, and they had a volunteer spot at the emergency room across the parking lot from their apartment building, and I got a great deal on the rent as long as I fulfilled their volunteer experience for the summer because otherwise they'd lose their spot. And I had a fabulous time in the hospital actually thinking about how engineering principles that I've been learning as an undergrad could apply to medicine. That really started me on my journey. So it was actually cheap rent that got me headed in the right direction. But then I went to medical school at Hopkins and did some training there and came to the VA where I've been ever since. Great. I guess that's kind of where we all get our start with cheap rent, right? We have to start somewhere. (laughs) Um, Did you always want to work in government or with veterans specifically? No. If you had asked me when I started medical school whether my career aspiration was to work for the VA, I don't think I would have said that, particularly because the medical school where I went didn't have a VA affiliation. Now, most medical schools in this country, more than a majority, have an affiliation with the VA. More than 70% of physicians spend at least a portion of their training in a VA. I was one of the 30% who didn't. But I had a senior resident, somebody who had been one of my mentors. When I was finishing up my medical training, she had taken a job at the VA two years prior, and she called me and said, you got to get down here. This place is awesome. The VA is a place where the mission is really compelling to take care of veterans and where we have the opportunity to really invest in the patients, the veterans that we care for over the course of their lifetime through an integrated healthcare system that really wants to take care of all of the veterans' healthcare needs, as well as to help support them as they return from their military service, reintegrate into their post-military life here in the United States and move forward. I basically said, sure, I'll come down and interview. I came down and interviewed, I loved it, and I've stayed ever since. What is this about the human kiosk? Where did that nickname come from? (laughs) Well, so I think you're referring to President Trump kicked off our Anywhere to Anywhere healthcare initiative in August of 2017. And at that event, this was a White House event that was really where we were announcing our intent to work towards allowing VA healthcare providers to deliver care from anywhere to anywhere. There had been some ambiguity about whether VA healthcare providers could deliver care via telehealth to patients in their homes across state lines. And we were committed as an organization to resolve that ambiguity because it's critical for us as an organization to be able to deliver care to veterans where they are. And we are also announcing our new video app, which allows us to deliver care to veterans where they are on their personal devices or sometimes on devices that we're able to provide to them. So a mobile device, a PC, laptop, et cetera, VA Video Connect app. We were launching that at that same White House event I was asked to hold the iPad to demonstrate VA Video Connect. You know, this has been a project that I've been involved with, and my team has been 
deeply involved with. And I think in recognition of all of the work that the Connected Care team has done to make this a reality, they'd asked me to represent the team and hold the iPad so that the president and then Secretary Shulkin could demonstrate what the app would look like. It was my mom who labeled me the human kiosk when she saw it on television and I basically stood there and held an iPad. But anyway, it's good. It's an exciting time for us to have that level of recognition for what is happening in the VA and telehealth. Just this past year, just to give you a sense for how healthcare delivery is changing, one of the key principles that we think about with telehealth and connected care is that it allows us to increase the accessibility of healthcare, to bring care closer to the veteran where they are. And the video visits would be one example of how we can do that. There's many technologies that allow us to bring healthcare closer to the veteran. But just last year, for the first year, we did more than 1 million video visits in the VA, connecting a veteran with a healthcare provider in the VA across distance using video. I think we can jump into a little bit more about the VA Video Connect app. But before that, I'd just like to clarify the other telehealth programs you're talking about. You're talking about store and forward and remote home monitoring. Is that right? Right. So I like to use the term connected care. And we use this term because what we're doing here is using, it's not all about the technology. This is about using technology for a purpose to create a connection between a patient or veteran or their caregiver and the care team who's taking care of them. And so all of the technologies that we use to essentially extend the reach of VA healthcare to patients where they are, we call those connected care technologies. And they run the gamut from digital technologies like, for example, my Healthy Vet, our personal health portal. We have more than 4 million users who have signed up and are using the portal, and they can send secure emails back and forth with their VA healthcare provider to custom VA mobile applications that veterans can use in between their visits to better engage with their own healthcare journeys through to telehealth, which is really essentially using technology to replicate what traditionally would have required a face-to-face visit and to deliver that across a distance enhanced by technology. And so the technologies that you mentioned, Connor, store and forward telehealth, remote home monitoring, and video telehealth or synchronous telehealth, those are the traditional modalities or types of telehealth. Those are the technologies that we're able to use to bring healthcare closer to patients. So regarding all of those modalities that you said, what's been the response from patients and providers? Are people embracing it? Yeah, I think adopting new technologies is not always super easy. There's some of us who love technology and you hand us a new technology and it's an exciting day to figure out how this works and to play around with it. That is not universally the case for everyone, right? For some, changing the way we do things can be hard. And I think that applies to healthcare as well, as we increasingly add technologies into healthcare delivery. For some, that's a welcome change. For others, not quite sure whether this is what I want to do or is this how I want to change my healthcare relationship. I think what we find really helps with adoption and with people getting on board with a new technology is when it's recommended by their healthcare team and their healthcare provider. You know, at the heart of healthcare is a relationship. Most of us really want a trusted advisor or a collection of trusted advisors who we can engage with and think about the healthcare decisions that we have to make over the course of our lifetimes. We don't mind getting help from Google or search engines or whatever we can find from technology, but we also want that personal touch in healthcare. 
So the doctor-patient relationship, the provider-patient relationship is by no means supplanted by technology. And so what we find is that when we build virtual care, connected care, telehealth, into the existing healthcare system, connecting patients, not just with a doctor, but with their doctor, when it's their doctor, their nurse, their social worker, their psychologist who's inviting them to use the new technology, they're far more likely to give it a try. When they give it a try, and it's a great experience, then they're sold. So we're seeing more and more people view this as a way that can help them improve their healthcare, but it's, it's going to be a, quite a journey. We have a goal, because this applies adoption, following on your question, is not just adoption by patients, but it's also healthcare providers are changing the way they're delivering care. And with the specific example of video visits with VA Video Connect, we have a goal that by the end of 2020, that all of our primary care teams, that would be the physician, the nurse practitioner, the nurse, the physician's assistant, the social worker, the pharmacist, the folks who are part of a primary care team, as well as the mental health care teams, that all of them will be capable of using video care as part of how they deliver care. So we're working towards 100% by the end of 2020 of providers having this as a tool in the tool chest, that they are digitally capable providers with the vision that then as they now have this as a new tool that can help them provide better and more responsive care to veterans, that veterans will start to also adopt that as we move forward, really across all of the Veterans Health Administration. Right. So, yeah, that was great. Actually, you answered my question without me asking it about <laughs> where you see telehealth and connected care going in the future. How do you incorporate provider-clinician feedback into your modernization efforts? Right. So there is no IT project that does not benefit, and frankly, that should not start from the perspective of the user. If you're going to build an IT solution, the IT itself, A, should be designed by those who are going to be using it. It's user-centered design. And B, it's only a piece of the equation. Because the way you effectively use technology is that technology assists the people who are using it and empowers them to get done what they need to get done, hopefully in a more efficient way. So with all of our IT programs in VA, our goal is to work with our users, both veterans and providers, and to do rapid iterative improvements to the products to improve them. So for example, let's use VA Video Connect as an example. What we announced at the White House in August of 2017 Via Video Connect now, a year and a half later, looks very, very different. It still is at its core, a very flexible video platform that can run in any browser, but the experience for providers about how they can get appointments scheduled and see the video appointment, the capabilities in the application itself have improved. I'll give you an example. One of the challenges when you start to deliver care virtually is if the patient that you're caring for has a medical emergency and you're not in the same room with them, how do you get them help? And if you're somewhere far away and you have a patient that you're caring for by video on the other end of the line and they start to have some kind of a medical crisis or problem where that you need to get them help and you pick up your own phone and dial 911, you get your local emergency service providers. You certainly don't get the emergency service providers in the location where that patient is. And so we've now built, as an example, as part of our engagement with the clinical users of the platform, we've now built a service into VA Video Connect. As you start a VA Video Connect visit, 
you can enter the address where the patient is located, and it presets the local emergency contact information. So if there is an emergency, with one click within the video application, you have the direct dial number to the emergency medical services that are closest to that patient, right? So there's an example of that we have a need as part of our IT modernization. I mean, we have a clinical program, we identify a need, we can build the technology to support that need. When it comes to innovation, it's a bit of buzzword. How does your office approach it? I agree with you that innovation is a buzzword. And frankly, it's a word that because it's become such a buzzword, it's kind of sometimes hard to know what we actually mean by innovation. But I'll answer your question. How do we approach innovation? I think we approach innovation by identifying use cases, problems, issues to solve, and then thinking creatively about how to solve those problems. And sometimes some would argue that patching together a technological solution to solve a real problem that exists out there in the world and allowing technology to help the people involved in that exchange better manage their business, some would say that's not innovation, right? Innovation is new technology, stuff you've never thought of before, pie in the sky, this is really dreamy, like, wow, this is cool technology, right? But I would argue that that is innovation, right? Or it may not be innovation, but it is the effective application of technology to solve real problems. And so that's our first order goal, is how do we, in my department, where we're thinking about connected care, how do we use technology to connect veterans and patients? First, we're identifying clinical situations where we need the technology, but then the innovation is to say, okay, well, gosh, there may be new ways or disruptive ways that we could accomplish what our goal is. So it's really use case based, find the problem you're trying to solve, and then allow yourself to be creative in how you solve that. And sometimes you stumble upon pretty significant innovation in that process. But you don't start saying, I'm going to innovate. You start by saying, I'm going to solve this problem. How do you approach innovation in the sense of executing before innovating? as VA CTO Charles Worthington told us on the podcast last time. Charles and I are in strong agreement on this point. That is, is that sometimes, and I imagine what Charles said, was that sometimes we call what should really just be called good execution, we call that innovation, really. We need to first execute on some core capabilities, a compelling digital online web experience. And we've been working closely with Charles Worthington and his team with the digital service on the va.gov transformation. I mean, that is just executing on what we as an organization should be providing to veterans, but doing so in a compelling way that's focused on the veterans experience. So I agree. And that's sort of what I'm getting at is we start with a problem, but sometimes in the process of executing, you come up with creative ideas. And that's where you can have a spinoff of some real innovation. How is your team dealing with potential challenges that are arising from some of these modernization efforts? Here's the way I like to think of it. There can be challenges with regard to when you're modernizing your information technology, right? Number one goal when you're modernizing is to build capabilities that your users find valuable and want to use and that actually accomplish their goals. And ideally, if it's information technology that make you more efficient and maybe even lead to cost savings, better experience, et cetera, right? So the endpoints that you're aiming for. So the issues about information security and how to manage the data and what the technology should be in the background, that's a lot of important homework that you have to do. But the real way to succeed is to build platforms that individual users can customize to meet their unique needs. Because when you're building information technology solutions 
for example, for an enterprise as large as the VA, with more than 1,400 facilities around the country, more than 300,000 clinical employees, there is not a one-size-fits-all solution. So I think a lot of success in IT modernization is recognizing that there's a need for standardization, recognizing that there's some core values, information security, performance of the system. So there are some core sort of metrics that you have to meet from the IT perspective, but that those ultimately are not going to determine your success. They'll determine your failure. If you build a system that isn't secure, that will determine your failure. But what determines your success is the usability of the product, how you train, how you implement, how you support the users, and what your ultimate value proposition is. With some of these improvements, how has collaborating with other agencies or learning from them played a part? I'll give an example. We work somewhat regularly with the Department of Defense. They also have a healthcare mission as part of the services they deliver. And to stay on the topic of telehealth, one of the programs that we deliver that brings a lot of value and increases the quality of care we're able to deliver is our tele-ICU program. We have two tele-ICU hubs. One's in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and one's in Cincinnati, Ohio. And the hub is staffed by intensive care unit physicians and nurses who provide support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to actual intensive care unit staff who are local on the ground in many of our healthcare facilities. They can help monitor patients. They can help identify when patients are having trouble, sometimes sooner than the staff on the ground can because the staff on the ground are running around getting stuff done. They can support the team. They can engage with staff and provide second opinions. So there's a lot of value that tele-ICU can bring. It's essentially another layer of staff who are providing intensive care unit support to our sickest veterans. But we also recognized the DOD said, well, we have needs for this kind of service as well. And we had an established program. So over the last year, we've now launched where VA healthcare providers at our hub in Minneapolis are actually taking care of patients at Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas in a DOD hospital. And so we're starting to see care being delivered and shared across the agency. So that's been an exciting opportunity where there's shared interest in leveraging these technologies. How do you juggle these amazing accomplishments? It seems like you have a lot on your plate. Do you leave work? Oh, of course. One is only effective at work. If one has balance in one's life, that's certainly what I would tell my patients. And I should probably take that advice myself. I've got three fabulous kids, Henry, Jane, and Margaret. They're 12-year-old twins and a nine-year-old. I spend a lot of time doing fun stuff with them. I love photography. I'm a bike commuter. Don't run me over here in Washington, D.C. on my way home. So there's plenty to keep me excited outside of work. I wish I could bike commute. I'm coming up from 40 miles away, so that's not an option for me. (laughs) So I'm curious what your interaction has been with veterans. Have you been able to solicit their input into any of the projects that you've implemented, or have they been an integral part of anything you've been working on? Aside from the fact that the entire aim is to better serve them, of course. (laughs) So 17 and a half years ago, when I started working for the VA, when I first took a job, I took a job as a primary care provider. I came not doing anything with technology, telehealth, connected care, information technologies. I started seeing a panel of patients. And I walked in on day one, and I inherited Dr. Khatri had just retired. And he shook my hand and said, good luck, young man. said, here's the patients I've been taking care of for the last, I think he had been with the VA for over 30 years. 
And I'm still taking care of those patients now, 17 and a half years later. I'm over at the medical center two days a week. I'll be there tomorrow morning, seeing patients as I am every Friday morning. And so that's actually really been helpful for me personally. I have veterans that I'm working with and frankly have more than a decade of a relationship with them. And frankly, I'm there in the clinic on the front lines of care and VA and can understand what are the issues that are going on and frankly can get ideas from the veterans that I take care of. it could be a two-way street. I can get their suggestions and they get mine about their health. So what did the technological landscape of the VA look like 17 years ago compared to now? What are some of the major things that we would see as like, wow, it was like that? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, my number one beef, this is kind of entertaining, but let's just say this. The VA has been a leader in technology in healthcare for a long time. Really, the VA was at the forefront of the implementation of electronic health records. When I started in the VA in 2001, at that point in time, in 2001, this is really before the explosion of electronic health records throughout the rest of healthcare, VA was 100% electronic. Every facility had an electronic health record, VISTA, CPRS. And in fact, it was one of the things that was really appealing to me about VA was that I could come practice at a place where reliably, as a primary care provider, I would have all the information that I needed in the electronic health record. And that I'd be able to not just take care of veterans, but also teach future healthcare providers. Many VAs, we get to teach residents, students, et cetera, in a place where all the information was there. So VA was a technological leader. But that was 2001, right? We didn't have modern mobile devices in 2001. Frankly, in 2001, I had this, at the time, state-of-the-art electronic health record on my desk, but it was impossible to get a speakerphone or a headset for my phone. I had like a phone that looked like it was from the 1980s on my desk. So I think there has been a lot of modernization, right? Wi-Fi added to our facilities, improvements in the electronic health record, better telephony. Frankly, our telehealth program has grown. And it's our personal health portal. There wasn't a personal health portal when I started. There wasn't that much happening online. Now it's 15 years old with more than 4 million users. Our telehealth program has grown. So there's just been a steady march of modernization and improvement in our technologies. And in fact, that's where when we talk about modernization, I think within many government agencies, we've come through a long run of significant technology. And now we're at the point where we're saying, okay, well, gosh, what do we have to fix? What do we have to go back and modernize? What needs a refresh? In many ways, that's where VA is, is we're sort of reevaluating a lot of our technologies and, and bringing it into the next generation. How much of your interactions with industry have been taken into account into some of these modernizations? Because we talk about the technological landscape, especially compared to 13 years or 17 years ago, it was pre-smartphones, pre-Wi-Fi everywhere, as you said. Has the industry been involved at all? Absolutely. I think that modernization, particularly in information technology, occurs when there are good partnerships between the government and our industry partners. There is a lot of value in shared learning The government is not going to be able to do everything that is needed, right? And it's only when we partner with the industry, learn from the industry, the industry's learning from government and what our needs are, right? It's that kind of shared relationship that moves the ball forward. What advice do you have for other healthcare providers looking to modernize and improve their processes and offerings through technology? What advice would I have for healthcare providers? And that depends a little bit on who the healthcare provider is, whether we're talking about an individual healthcare provider, a health system, et cetera. But I I guess I would say this, start with thinking about your customer's experience. 
start with thinking about the value that you're bringing to the most important customer in the healthcare relationship, and that's the patient. But do not neglect the other most important relationship, individuals in the relationship in healthcare, and those are the providers. There's an epidemic of burnout amongst healthcare providers. And part of that is, as we've modernized, healthcare providers still have to deliver all the patient care they're delivering, and they're interacting with multiple IT systems on a daily basis. Things are a little bit overwhelming. Estimated that more than 50% of physicians in this country are experiencing some form of burnout. And so I would say that as one modernizes, don't forget the other important customer. That's the people who are actually coming to work every day to deliver healthcare. So keeping the perspective of both the customer, the patient in mind, and the customer, the frontline healthcare provider in mind, those are really core principles. And that would be my advice. This conversation was great. Thank you so much for the work you do for our veterans. I appreciate your perspective today and thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back, Amanda. We missed you. Thank you. It's great to be back. We had a really interesting conversation with Dr. Neil Evans at the VA regarding connected care at the agency. And I liked that he brought up Charles Worthington. Yeah, we actually interviewed Charles on our first episode of season two. He's a CTO of the VA. And I love what Dr. Evans said about executing before you can innovate. That's something Charles talked about a lot in the first episode, executing before you can innovate in the VA and why executing is so important and the difference between the two. It's an interesting conversation to have, especially as we hear the buzzword innovate around government all the time. Yeah, and they were completely on the same level and he specifically mentioned that. So that was cool. So I thought it was interesting that at a previous event, Dr. Evans had mentioned that pagers are still pretty standard for a lot of doctors. When he was with us on the podcast, he had mentioned that despite all of the technological innovation, that there's still a long way to go. So the pager, I think, is one example of that. And who has even used pagers? I haven't. (laughs) I think my dad. Time to get rid of them, right? (laughs) But most importantly, he did emphasize that it is still about the patient. I think that's something we hear from everybody at the VA is... The patient comes first and to never forget the real mission. 